in this clip, we see Rocky, and this is just one scene. If you watched all of the 20 Rocky series, you, you see Rocky. Like, this is a repeat performance of Rocky getting, like, knocked down and then having to make his way back up. And, and, and we just talked about last week, we talked about, you know, that we're in a fight, that it, there's a time for everything and there's a time to fight. And so it, it only makes sense that today we would talk about this topic, and that is get back up get back up, right? Because that's what we love about Rocky is that he, he keeps getting back up, right? And, and the word of encouragement to us is just that, get back up. So turn to your neighbor and say, get back up. Get back up. Get back up. Okay, that's, that's the word for us today to get back up. Rocky finds himself on his back looking up a lot. And what I love about, you know, if you watch the movies, uh, is that his corner is always yelling that to him. Get up, Rock. Get up, Rock. They probably say that phrase more than any other phrase, you know, to Rocky is get back up because he's always like down looking up. And uh, if we're going to engage in a fight, in a spiritual war, we're going to get knocked around. Okay. If you're not getting knocked around, you may not even be in the fight. Might be playing it a little too safe. But if you're engaged, you're going to get knocked around, and you're going to have to get back up, right? And that's what happens. Have you ever been knocked down? Like knocked down, and maybe physically, some of you, anybody been knocked down? Right, yeah, yeah, that's no fun, okay? In your younger age, right, Cornelius? Right, younger, younger years? Yeah. We won't go there, okay? We won't go there, but um, probably not as violent as that, hopefully. <laughs> But maybe, maybe like, you, you know, you, you were expecting a curveball and it didn't curve. If you, if you ever pitched, you know what that is like when you throw a curveball and it doesn't curve, right? And it nails the batter. Like, sometimes we get knocked down. Like, things that happen to us just totally unexpectedly, right? Like, uh, we were putting in a fence at Scarlet Hope for, for Rochelle and her ministry there in Louisville. And, uh, you know, those um, post hole drivers, you know, it's a pipe, and it's got two handles, and it weighs about 30, 40 pounds. It's like heavy, solid, and you use it to, like, drive these pipes down. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. So I was doing that, and, and I came up a little too high, and I pulled back down with all my might, but it didn't, it didn't go over the pole. It kind of missed it, and I pulled the thing over my head, and it came down crashing on my head, and it just I just went black down, and I went down to a knee, and it was like, like, what was that? Like, what just hit me? And I didn't realize it was me. I did it. That's it. And I nailed myself in the head. And I thought, okay, I just, I just was on a knee, and my, I could barely remember what's going on, but I didn't go, like, flat. I just was to a knee, and my kids are, are they, they noticed that I just nailed myself. And they come over, and I'm just waiting for the blood, right? I'm waiting for the blood to start, like, dripping down my face because I just blasted myself. Well, sometimes we get knocked down or we get blindsided by something, right? In life, maybe you, you've made some good accomplishments, right? You've, you're, you're gaining ground, good things are happening, and then from nowhere, out of nowhere, everything looks great, and then bam, something just knocks you on your, on your backside. Like, totally, like, you're not expecting it. You thought things were great, and out of nowhere, your legs get cut out from underneath you. That happens physically, and that happens spiritually. It happens in our life. They say that tragedy, tragedy, check out what tragedy, is a calamity or a catastrophe that happens to a person without much warning. That's what a tragedy is, right? It, it's something that just comes upon you, and, and you don't even see it coming. And in those moments, we have to get back up. 
right? We are, we are challenged. We are like in this moment of decision whether we're going to stay down or get back up. Whether we're going to throw in the towel and give up or we're going to get back up and do something about it. We've all been shocked by an unthinkable moment, all of us doesn't matter who you are. If you're a human being, you've been shocked by an unthinkable moment, maybe the death of a family member or your mother or your father that none of us are prepared for. Maybe a news of a health issue that you had no idea was even going on in you or in a friend, right? Just this unthinkable moment when you get that call or or you find out that news or there's a loss of job that just happened out of nowhere or sickness of a child or a car crash or a medical issue. We've all been there, right? We've all experienced what that's like, that moment of shock when the unthinkable happens and you get knocked down. And you have to decide what you're going to do next, right? What you're going to do next. Maybe it's a failure of some kind. We've all experienced failure, yeah, yeah. All experienced what it's like to, 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 to fall short of your goal or fall short of what it is you are attempting to do. I mean, we understand what that's like. Even people that we consider to be famous and amazingly great have failed at some point in their life. Let me share a few of those with you, some famous people. This guy, check this out, maybe you can guess who he is, was told by his teacher that he was too stupid to learn anything. Now, don't raise your hand, because I probably haven't told my husband. Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison was told by a teacher that he was too stupid to do anything. Thomas Edison, right? This person, his newspaper editor told him that he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. Anybody know who that is? Walt Disney. That's what he was told. No imagination. No creativity. Isn't that crazy? How about this person was thought to be mentally handicapped because he didn't start talking till age four and he didn't start reading until age seven? Albert Einstein. That's right. Good job. Albert Einstein. These people are great people who did great things, but but they experienced what it was like to fail. This person's name was Theodore Giselle. Anybody know who that is? Hey, there you go. His middle name is Seuss. You're going to get a prize after this. He was rejected by publishers and went on to publish more than 600 million copies worldwide. This person, um, these are people who landed flat on their backs at one time, but this person uh, who once couldn't give away a painting, now a single one of his paintings is worth over $100 million. Who? Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Vincent Van Gogh. And this person failed every business venture, or he failed so many business ventures that he was, found himself broke five different times. And then he founded Ford Motor Company. See, there's lots of people that have tried and failed, but they decided, because we're reading about them right now, and we know of them, they decided not to stay down. They decided, I'm going to get back up. No matter how many times I get knocked down, I'm going to get back up just like Rocky. The truth of it is this. All get knocked down, but not all get back up. Right? That is the truth. You have known, you know people who have gotten knocked down and it crushed them. They stayed down. They didn't get back up. 
for whatever reason. Maybe they didn't have good people around them. Maybe, maybe they didn't know the Lord. Maybe they didn't realize that, that other things were happening that was working in them, that God was doing something there. But for whatever reason, they didn't get up. And some people who get up, who do make their way back up, never really cover, recover all the way. You know? Sometimes people get up, but they don't recover 100%. Only in Jesus only Jesus can help you recover, can get you back up and help you recover. Only Jesus can help you even get up. And so we turn to Jesus, right? Someone once said, allow tragedy to fortify your strength. Refuse to let it weaken you. That's a good statement, right? Allow, allow tragedy to fortify your strength. Like, this is a decision we make, right? We decide before it happens that no matter what happens, I'm going to let God use it for good. And I'm going to get back up. I'm going to keep on fighting. I'm going to recover and keep fighting. The Word of God is, is a story about our lives. Did you realize that? Like, when you read the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, it's truly a story about all of our lives, Right? Think about it. Think about the story of, of Scripture, the Word of God. It's about beauty, right? Think about the beauty of, of the Scriptures. And then you realize there's the brokenness that comes in the Scriptures, right? And then you realize that there's this redemptive story in the Scriptures where God comes to rescue us. And then you realize that there's this renewal in the scriptures. That's our life, like, right? We, we live, we get knocked down, we get back up, we get renewed, we keep facing life, we keep fighting the battles, and we get knocked down again. That's the way it is. That's what life's all about. You think about the creation story was just like that, right? It's a story about God creating from chaos, from nothing but darkness, this beautiful creation that you and I live on. And then we realize sin entered the picture. And it became broken. And then God made covenants with his people. And then God sent his son to save us. And there's going to be a, a renewal at the end. And, and we're looking for eternity. And we're, we're still in the middle of the story. Just like you're in the middle of your story. And I'm in the middle of mine. And what happens next, we don't know. We're just going to trust God and hang on to him no matter what, right? The Word of God is a story about our lives. Well, there's a lot of reasons why people get knocked down. If you have your bulletin, the back of your bulletin, I want you to, to do me a favor, okay? There's a lot, of, a lot of different reasons why people get knocked down or experience setbacks. So take a minute, if you would, I want you to just think about this, on the back of your bulletin and jot down a couple reasons why you or people get knocked down. Just take a minute and do that. Just jot them down there on your bulletin. Why people get knocked down. Why you think people get knocked down. And, and I'm going to share with you a couple of these. Yeah, I'll give you a minute. Reasons people get knocked down. In life. In life. Setbacks. Experience setbacks. Or, or experience failures. Or, or, or find themselves down looking up. Why, why, why is that? I'm going to share with you three. Uh, Andy's going to throw them up on the screen. Here they are right here. The first one is this that I'm going to share with you, and there's others, is simply bad choices. Bad choices, right? No, oh, bad choices. Anybody guilty? Okay, okay, all of us, okay. I should have said, is anybody not guilty? Then, then. 
no hands would have went up. Bad choices. So my friend, Chris, you know, he's standing there on this. I shared this maybe a while back. He's standing there. We're at, we're at this quarry, and he's standing there on these rocks, and it's about as high as the, the vents there. So it's not huge. It's not like this humongous cliff, but it's high enough. You can get hurt. And he's standing up there, and I'm down on the rocks at the bottom, and I'm watching him. He's like, he's debating. Okay, at that moment, you have a choice to make. Are you going to go feet first and just play it safe? Are you going to do like a half flip and do a dive? Or are you going to do something like really cool to impress your friends? And so Chris decides he's going to do a one and a half flip. And halfway through his flip, he decides, uh-uh, I'm not going to do it. And he lands flat on his face on the water, and the water is, isn't friendly. I'm watching Chris, and I know he's in, in trouble. His eyes, he pops up, his eyes roll back in his head, and he's starting to go to the bottom of the quarry. Chris is a dead man. I mean, he's a dead man. I dive in, I grab Chris by the hair, I pull him up out of the water, I drag him over to the side, and by then he's coughing up water. I saved Chris's life, is what happened. Sometimes we make dumb decisions. Now, that's just one thing that maybe you did some time ago, and there's lots of things that we do that are just considered bad choices, and they knock us down. Second thing is this world, the world around us, right? We live in a fallen world. We know that. We live in a world that, that you could, you get in trouble, and it's nothing that you do. It's like totally not your fault. Like you're just cruising through life, right? And all of a sudden, you get like nailed by somebody else. Maybe it's a car wreck. Some guy pulls in front of you, and he takes out your bumper. And you're like not doing anything. Like I was driving my nice new truck, and Driving by Lowe's and just minding my own business. I had this truck for a day. This is like the second day I had it, and this car pulls out of Lowe's, and this big, the big bucket of paint flies out, and, and the car in front of me swerves, and I've got nowhere to go, and I run over the paint bucket, and it splatters all over my truck. It just blows up. Yeah, what a mess. Like, what a setback, right? It's like, what? I didn't do this. Like, I, there was nothing I could do about it. Just somebody else didn't tie the bucket down, and I, I get splattered by it. Sometimes that happens, right? The world around us just impacts us. And it's nothing you did, nothing we've done. It just happens because we live in this world. And the third reason I think people get knocked down, first is our bad choices. The second is the world around us. And the third is simply this. God is trying to prove your faith. God is working on you trying to prove your faith to try to make it stronger. He's refining you, right? He, he wants, he sees what you will become and he's working on you to get you there, right? How awesome is that? To know that sometimes when I get knocked down, it's God, he's molding me. Like when you mold something, it, it, whatever that thing is you're squeezing and stretching and pulling on, it's not gonna like it if it's got feelings, right? Like us, right? When you stretch, when you're being stretched, you don't like that. When you're being forged in fire, no, that's no fun. But sometimes we get knocked down because God, God is working on us, right? He's just moving in us and he's, he's working on our lives. So let's take a look at these three things a little bit closer. The first one is bad choices. What, what else did you write down, by the way? Any, uh, anything outside of these three? Anybody? Go ahead. Feel free. Things that knock us down. Too busy. Okay, we get busy. Loss of loved ones, okay. Yep, yep. Things out of our control. Lots of things. Lack of self-care. Okay, okay. 
Okay. Trusting in the wrong things. Thank you. Doing what? Waiting for outside help? Yeah. Expecting somebody else to come to the rescue? Yeah. Lack of focus. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of things. I'm sure you can name more. Uh, these three, I think a lot of them fit in here somewhere. The first one is bad choices. Think about this with me. James, and go to James chapter 1 in your Bibles with me. Um, James is a very practical letter about life, right? Very practical. James talks about things like trials and temptations and wisdom and favoritism and your tongue, right? And uh, uh, riches and boasting and, and resisting the devil. Practical things for everyday life. But in James chapter 1, verse 13, James gets real, real honest with us. God gets real honest with us about bad choices and why we get knocked down. So let's read this. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 13. Here's what he says. He says, When tempted, no one should say that God is tempting me, for God cannot tempt cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Okay, so think about that for a minute. Thinking about temptation and testing. Two different things. Two different things here, right? On one hand, we get tested. On another hand, we get tempted. Okay, they're different. Sometimes when, when I was younger in my faith, I, I just kind of lumped them all into one thing. Thinking, okay, testing, trials, kind of all the same thing. No, they're really not the same thing. If you go to school and you are in class and your teacher gives you a test, she's trying or he's trying to, to improve your knowledge. But if you go to school and your teacher tempts you to do something wrong, that's a whole different story, isn't it? It's not the same thing at all. See, God does not tempt us with evil, but he does test us in life, right? So that's what this is saying, that when we're tempted, when you get tempted... Don't say that God is doing this. No, God's not tempting you. He doesn't tempt people. Look what he goes on to say. Verse 14, But each of you, me, is tempted when you are dragged away by your own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So he says, God does not tempt us. He doesn't flaunt sin in our face to get us to stumble. God does not do that. He, James says, our own evil desires do that. Like the things that we want. Our flesh, our, our own evil desires, we're enticed. Like this, in our minds, we, we have thoughts of things, and then those things are, become real around us, and we, we allow them to stay there, to linger, and soon we are like enticed by them, and then we're like the trail of cheese being led astray or led away, and then we, like the mousetrap comes down on our head, right? That's what happens. We're, we're led away by our own evil desires, he says. Thoughts, right? It starts in your mind with thoughts, and then it gives birth to sin, and then when sin is full grown and you give into it, it leads to death. And so, the problem is our lingering thoughts, right? Our lingering thoughts. And man, it's so hard, isn't it? Isn't that right where the battle is? It's just right there in what we allow to hang around with us. 
Like what we, we, we want, we, we know we don't, we shouldn't have it. We know we should keep it as far away from us as possible. But for some reason, our flesh is weak and we want those things to, to not be in us, but to stay pretty close. And we keep them closer than we should. Like we keep sin too close. We, we let it stay at the windows and the doors of our life. And then our thoughts begin to give way. And we're enticed by those things because we allowed them to stay close. And then we're led away by them in a weak moment. That's why we make bad choices. That's what's going on. That's what's happening. And we've all, we've all made decisions that we later reg- regretted, right? That you wish you could have an un- a redo. Like, I wish I could redo this. Remember Judas... Judas made some dumb decisions, right? He made a good decision to follow Jesus, but then he made some dumb decisions. And, and what were his dumb decisions? He, he, he chose money over God, right? He chose to have things in the world and stuff over a relationship with Jesus. And, and that got him in trouble. He allowed that to linger. And every time he heard the jingling of the money bag, he was like, money, 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 right? And it led to death. It destroyed him, right? That's what it did. He ended up hanging himself. And, and what the devil wants to do is use those failures and your weaknesses to keep shaming you and guilting you and causing you to, to be knocked down. And so my encouragement to you is this. When your not-so-smart decisions smack you upside the head and knock you down, get back up, right? Just get back up. Turn to your neighbor and say, get back up. Get back up. That's right. That's what we need to do. Just get back up. Number two, the world around us. The world around us, right? Things in the world that happen to us that that we are totally out of our control. The second thing that happens to us, knocks us down sometimes, is the world around us. And while we're not responsible, I'm not responsible for the sins of anyone else, my parents, my brothers, my sisters, I'm not responsible for what they do. I'm not responsible for their sin. It does impact me. And, and so will it you, right? And so will your sin impact your kids and your families and the people around you and the people you work with and, and the people that know you. Your sins will impact the people around you even though it's not their fault, right? From generation to generation to generation, right? The sins of the, this generation impact the generations to come. That's why we got to be careful how we live our lives. That's why if you, whatever you allow into your family or whatever you allow into your home, if it isn't holy and right and good, you better be careful because your kids are going to take it to the next level. Right? They are. They're going to do what you do plus. They just will. Because what you did is going to be pretty boring. They're going to need to spice it up. And so I say, draw the line and don't let anything evil in. Like, don't let anything that might be a mixed message come into my home. Don't let it hang out there. Don't bring it to the doorway of your home or your life. They impact everyone. 1 John chapter 2, if you would go there, 1 John chapter 2. We're going to put the verses up on the, on the screen. But the second thing is this, the world around us, the world around us. And in and, and 1 John chapter 2, John writes, and look what he says. And there's so many good passages about this, this idea of the world and how it impacts us and how it, it gets on us. But, but John says it like this, do not love the world or anything in the world. That's pretty good, right? Like, like right, right away, there's a distinction. There's, there's a world that you live in 
And John says, as a believer, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, where you know that your home is not here, your home is in heaven, you're not from here, this is not our home, he says, do not love the world that you're living in right now or anything of the world. If you love the world, he says, the love of the Father is not in you. It's a, it's a choice. One or the other is going to happen. Verse 16, for everything in the world, the craving of sinful people, the lust of their eyes, and their boasting about what they have and do comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of my Father or the will of God lives forever lives forever. So look what John writes. He says, do not love, love the world. Love, what he's talking about there in this idea of love is, is to take pleasure in something in the world, right? The word is the agapeo, and it means an attachment, to have this longing or attachment to the world, or to have an affection for the world, or to have this desire for the things of the world. He says, do not do not be engaged in loving or taking pleasure in the things of this world. And the word world there, he means cosmon, and it means the system of the world, right? This physical attraction to the things of this planet and to the things of this life. He says, do not love anything in the world. Do not love anything in the world. And then he gives us why. John says, here's why. It's talking about the world, and we're talking about how the world knocks us down. It's because the world is headed in one direction, and as followers of Christ, we're moving in a different direction. And you can't serve two masters. You can't serve the master of the world and the master of the creation at the same time. You will love one and hate the other. You're going to put one over the other. And so, so John says, here's why. Here's why don't love the world or anything in it. He says, because the Father's passion is not for the world. It's for the people. It's for souls. It's for people that have been made in the image of Christ. That's where his passion is for, not the systems of the world. He says, here's why, because it's full of lust and fleshly living and pride, the things that go completely against the character and the qualities of who God is. It's an opposite direction of who God is. Here's another reason why he gives us. He says, because those things come from the world or from the evil one, the devil. They're not of God. They're not of the kingdom. And the last thing he says is, because the world will pass away. Why would you love and be like attached to something that is sinking when you can choose to be attached and love the one who will never sink? Like that's, that's the choice we get to make. We get to decide, what are we going to do? Which direction are we going to go? And he, he says, if you love the world, you're going to be knocked down a lot, and it's going to be for nothing. It's going to be for something that's already perishing. He says, the, but the things of God will live forever. The splatter of the world will land on all of us. You are going to get splattered by the world. They, these things are like setbacks, right? And Jesus promised that we would have setbacks. He promised that, right, in his word. You will be persecuted. You will be tempted. You will undergo trials, right? You will be attacked, that the things of God will be hated. And if you love the things of God, you too will be hated. We know these things are coming, right? They're coming. He promised. But he also promised peace in the midst of it all. He also promised us victory in the middle of it all. 
He also promised us like rest in the midst of it all. And he also promised us his Holy Spirit to empower us to be more than conquerors in this dark world that is moving in the wrong direction. But more than that, he promised us his presence, that he would be right here with us, right? Like right there in you, with you, if you choose him, if you just choose him. Have you ever gone on a ride and you just wanted to get off it? Like you were at the fair and you're like, you're older and you thought you liked going on things that do this. You know what I mean? Like I used to love it. It was like, yeah. But then one day I got on one of those things. It was like, no, get me off, stop. I was like the little six-year-old yelling, stop, get me off, get me off. Like, it's crazy. Like, like, that's how, you know, I don't know, we're getting old. But that's sometimes how I feel about the world. I don't know about you. You just see this stuff going on, and you're like, Lord, just, just I'm going to move to an island and just live. I'll, I'll join Survivor, and I'll go hide in the woods and, like, just get away from it all. I just get me off this thing. I mean, that's the world, because it just keeps coming. It's like, it keeps coming, and it keeps hitting you, and you have no, you sometimes you don't even see it coming, and it just nails you. And let me encourage you, when the messy world around you trips you up and knocks you down, get back up. Get back up. Turn to your neighbor and say, get back up. Get back up. There you go. Kick it. Bad choices knock us down. The world around us is going to knock us down. The last thing is this. And this is, the, this is the, the meat of it all. This is, why, this is why you came today. This last point is why you came today. Okay? Um, because, because God is trying to prove your faith. God is working on you. When you get knocked down, some of these are testings and trials to test your faith, to push you forward, to make you better, to, to purge you of the stuff in your life that needs to go. Like pure gold. God wants you to be pure gold and you're not there yet. I'm not there yet. And he's refining us. And the only way to do that is through the fire. Like through the fire, we are being refined. And so uh, we're going to go to um, James. Back to James chapter 1. Okay? God is, is proving our faith. He's not tempting you to sin. He is testing you and refining you. And in James uh, chapter 1, uh, a couple, uh, some verses there, 2 to 4 and verse 12, James says it again very clearly on, on what's going on here with what God is up to in your life. When you feel like you're getting knocked down, you're getting knocked around. Look what he says, verse 2, James chapter 1. He says, consider it <laughs> pure joy. Woo my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, we don't do that very well, do we, right? We, a trial comes our way, something comes our way, and we're, we're the first thing we do is mope about it and complain about it and cry about it. There's a, there's a better way. There's a better way. Yeah, I'm a witness. <laughs> there's a better way. Because you know, he says, verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith, ah, oh, this is good, produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. Ooh, you see that? He said, you, you guys, let it finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow, that's good. Verse 12, look what he says. Blessed are those who persevere under trial because when they have stood the test, they will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. See, there's a, there's a complete difference between a, a person who doesn't know God and goes through trials through this world, it will knock them down, and somebody who knows the Lord and loves the Lord and understands that every trial has a purpose in your life. 
There's a complete difference between those two people right there. Going through the fire hurts. It does hurt. We're not gonna, we're not gonna like, like pretend it's fun, okay? Because it, it hurts, right? It comes unexpectedly. God throws something in your life to strengthen you, to test you, to, to use you in the middle of a circumstance. He's gonna do something in you that you're not even aware of in the lives of the people around you, right? And so we understand that God is using us. We're his servants. We're his tools. And he can use us however he wants, even if it hurts. Kind of like digging out a splinter, right? It hurts, but you know you have to. You've got to. Trish had stepped on something and it went through her sandal and up into her foot the other day. And she thought she got it, you know, she thought it didn't penetrate her skin. And I'm looking at this thing and it's definitely something in there. And I'm like, this is going to hurt. <laughs> you more than it's going to hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> sorry but it's got to happen or you're going to get an infection and so there it is i got to press on this thing i'm rubbing like um alcohol in it and she's like loving me yeah <laughs> you go to the doctor to get a shot it's no fun i mean those things are not fun but you know you need them they know you know in the end it's for your good like women who decide you know a couple decides we're going to have a kid and they're thinking yeah kid baby dresses sweet you know you forget you got nine months to get there first, right? Those nine months are not so fun, are they, women? I mean, you know, they're, they're a cool experience the first time, but the fourth time, it's like, do I have to go through all this? And then there's childbirthing, right? It's like, did I really sign up for this? Like, that's no fun, but you know that the result of that baby coming into the world and the years that you're going to have in front of that outweigh the pain, the very same thing is true about what God is trying to do in you. It may feel like birthing a child for a little while, but, but the end result is going to be greater. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be better. You're going to be able to conquer things that you would have never been able to conquer if you hadn't gone through that trial. God is working. It's no fun. And here's the thing. If you're not aware of what's happening it can be a real bummer, right? And what it'll do is cause you to focus on the wrong things. It'll cause you to focus on the bad things if you don't understand what God is trying to do in this trial. And that's the beauty of these trials, right? When we get knocked down and we begin to understand why I'm getting knocked down, maybe I did it to myself. I'm not going to blame God for my bad decisions, okay? I'm just going to get back up and try not to do that dumb thing again. Maybe it's the world. The world splattered on you and you realize like this is out of everyone's control. The world just, just happens and I'm going to get back up and keep going. But maybe you, you realize that God is at work in your life and he's trying to strengthen you and refine you. And so you say, God, go to work. Like when you say, God, when you said, when you said to Jesus, I will follow you anywhere, you know, when you pray, God, use me, forgive me, cleanse me. God, use me, help me to be more like Jesus today. When you pray those prayers, do you realize that you're asking God to bring the pain? You're saying, God, bring it. I know it's not going to be comfortable, but I need it. I want it in my life. I want to be more like you. Listen to this. Trials that come to unaware people can crush them. But trials that come to those that are expecting them can make you great. 
And that's the difference. That's the whole difference. It's all about our outlook. And so whenever you, you meet a Christian who's, who's experiencing trials that were out of their control, their heart should be on God. Their mind should be on God. They should be like, yes, God is using me. Like I'm in the fight. He's working in my life. And no, it's not fun. And no, it's, 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 this is not comfortable. And no, I'm scared of what the outcome might be or what the future might look like. But it doesn't matter because I am God's child. And he's with me. And he's going to use me in ways that I'll never even understand. And I trust him. Like, that's what we do when we expect the trials. But if you don't expect them, if you're not ready for them, you're going to be crushed by them. And how many, of, how many people do you know are being crushed by their trials because they don't understand what they're for? See, we do. That's the good thing of this. See, when you know the why, when you know the why this is happening to you, that changes everything. Like, it really does. It changes your whole life. It changes what you're going to do next. It changes how you're going to do it next. It changes your demeanor. It changes your attitude. It changes everything. And it also changes your children and the people that are watching you. Like that's the greatest impact is these people that are watching you face your trial. That's big. It's huge. Right? A person, a normal person, I guess, would never welcome trials. Right? We would never like say bring it on, you know, like, come on, unless they understood the value, right? When you understand the value of the trial, then you're like, yes, I don't even have to buy this. God will just like bring the trial my way. And the value of the trial is going to make me more like Jesus. I mean, you can't buy that. You can't buy that. A normal person would never welcome that. See, God is taking you somewhere. And here's what James says. James says trials that come your way are tests, right, of your faith. And so your faith is now in the fire being tested by whatever it is you're experiencing that's out of your control, right? God is using a trial to, to test your faith, and he's strengthening you. He's giving you strength in your inner being. He's making you stronger and more reliant on him, increasing your trust, increasing your faith, increasing how you live, increasing your witness to the world, Right? And, and here's what it's doing. It's, it's creating a, a sense of perseverance in your life that you're like fighting the fight, you're getting back up, and you continue to move forward even though you're experiencing this, this, this horrible trial. And that's, in, that's, that's what that's building in you is perseverance. You can go longer, you can go further, you can go, you can go stronger with God at the next fight, in the next fight. And, you're, and God is increasing this, and he's bringing about what James says is maturity, making you complete, not lacking anything. See, I'm lacking all kinds of stuff right now, right? I mean, we all are. We're lacking stuff. And, and God, if you really want to not lack anything like James says God wants to do in you, then what we got to do is say, God, bring the trials. I want to be lacking Nothing but totally committed to you. And the beauty of this is verse 12, where he says, the result of it all is eternal life. A crown of life 
That's where you're headed. That's where God's moving you toward a crown of life. So when the power of God knocks you down, right, and, and, and it seems to be like just stirring you up and stretching you further than you ever thought you could go or pushing you in a direction that you're not comfortable with or moving you somewhere where you're like, I never thought I would do this that I'm doing right now. When God does that to you, realize that he's working on you. Realize that he's strengthening you. Realize that he's moving in your life and doing great things for his glory, that you will be great for him. And when you find yourself down because God is working on you, what? Get back up. Get back up. Just get back up. and Keep walking. Keep moving. Keep going forward. Because God's not finished with you yet. He's just not finished with you yet. Okay, he's still working on you. Isn't that awesome? Movie clips that matter. Movie clips that matter. See, we all love Rocky. We love the Rocky movies because Rocky takes a pounding. Like you saw the video, the, the bruised face, and you know, I know it's Hollywood, but if you watch the UFC, you understand that, you know, that happens. You know, Rocky takes this pounding and pounding and he keeps getting knocked down. But we love these Rocky movies because every time he gets knocked down, he finds the strength to get back up. Like he never stays down. Never. He just gets back up. However he can, he just gets back up. And he's got a corner full of people yelling, get back up. You can do it. And, and so do you. We have each other, we have God, we have all the angels saying, get back up. God's working on you. See, I, I want that in my life. I want to just keep getting up no matter what happens. I want to see what's coming next, right? I want to be there for what's next. I want to say, God, work in me and help me get back up. Whether it's my bad choices that knock me down or the world around me that knocks me down or, or simply God just bringing trials and tests into my life that knock me down, I want to get back up and keep going. And I want to understand why. I want to understand why I got knocked down. Is it my fault? Is it the world's fault? Or is God really working here? And God can work through all of that, but is God, God, like, chosen to, to do something in my life. Like, think about that. That's like, like almost a gift. It's like, wow, God has chosen to bring a trial in my life that is making my life like uncomfortably miserable, but it's for my good. It's like, like that, that's something to give thanks for, you know, in a really weird way, you know, in a, in a back way, in a, in a way of understanding the value of what it is God is up to. No matter what, get back up. No matter what, get back up. Father, we love you so much, and we're thankful, God, that you love us, that you do in our lives things that are just out of our, out of our comfort zone and out of our understanding and out of our thinking and our planning. And you, you see it all, Father. You see our bad choices. You see what the world does to us. You see how we get caught up in the things of the world or we get splattered by the, the messiness of this world. And God, you know the things you're doing in our life. In, in all of it, Father, help us to trust you, to know that you're working for our good and that what you want for us is to hang on to you, grab, grab your hand and to just get back up and to keep going forward and know that you're at work in our life. 
Lord, we love you for that, and we thank you for that. We really do want to be more like you, Jesus. Help us to let you do whatever it is you want to do in our life. Use us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name.